0: Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon.
1: Um, A reading from Exodus, chapter 17, 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out to Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that people may drink. Moses did so. In the sight of the elders of Israel, he called the place Masa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The word of God for the people of God.
0: The question this week is about thirst. When are you, or when were you, feeling spiritually depleted? And when you are in that situation, when you are feeling spiritually thirsty, where do you go to find renewal? I wanted you to spend some time thinking about that, so I emailed you the question as part of the e-news on Thursday. I also posted it to my Facebook page as a way of kind of crowdsourcing to see what you all might say, and here are some of the places that you named that you go to find spiritual renewal. Many of you said the beach. I'm with you. Many of you also said the mountains. I'm with you. Some of you said playing a card game or a board game or fishing. Some said listening to Jackson Brown or John Pine or Bach. Actually, that was just one of you. (laughs) Some said in the garden, literally on my knees. Some said in a coffee shop. One creative rabbi friend posted, looking at a sliced orange, I can't help but think of God when I notice the intricate ways that it is connected. One said choir practice. Some said spending time with friends. Reading over your responses got me really thinking about how I would honestly answer that question. I thought about some times when I have been in need of renewal and sometimes when I have found renewal. And so today, after having some time and your help being creative with that answer where I find renewal, I have an answer I want to share with you. I find renewal in a bag of Doritos and when I see a blue rest area sign on the highway. (laughs) Road trips are never easy. In fact, many times, road trips bring out the very worst in each and every one of us, and they highlight the most important differences that we can sometimes overlook with our traveling companions. Like on a road trip, for example, you quickly learn that there are two types of people on this earth. Those that prioritize efficiency over everything else, including health and well-being. These people, you may be one of them, map their course and they plan out their stops strategically around where one can use the restroom, fill up the fuel tank, and get something to eat, something that can be purchased in the store without having to move the car from the fuel tank and food which can then be consumed after you have resumed travel. Then there's another type of person. These people believe in health and they understand that one cannot survive in any meaningful capacity without the occasional fresh vegetable which, let's face it, cannot be purchased at a gas station. (laughs) Now, these two types of people can get along quite nicely most of the time. They can go about their daily business. They can even live in the same house together. They might even be married to one another. (laughs) But when you put them in the car and you ask them to travel for, I don't know, more than five or six hours, Get ready for some serious turbulence. Somebody is going to get hangry. Somebody's gonna have a stomachache. Someone's gonna need to go to the potty 20 minutes after a refueling stop. And somebody get ready. Somebody's gonna ask if they can eat at a sit-down restaurant. And somebody, perhaps a third kind of traveler is going to ask from the back seat, are we there yet? (laughs) Y'all, road trips have the potential to highlight our deep-seated differences and bring out the very, very worst in each and every one of us. And while the Israelites were not traveling with modern-day equipment or pit-stop dilemmas, when I read this story or any of their wilderness stories, I cannot help but feel like I am eavesdropping on an ancient and very holy travel log. These stories, they have all the right ingredients They share the practical and logistical information as well as inside knowledge about the thoughts and the fears and the blunders that the Israelites encounter along their wilderness journey from Egyptian captivity to the promised land. You remember the larger story, either because you've read it in your Bibles or because you've watched Charlton Heston play Moses in Cecil DeMille's The Ten Commandments. The people were held in captivity. They were slaves in Egypt until God called Moses to what? Deliver them. And then the plagues came and tried to sway Pharaoh's heart. One by one, they came lice and locusts and flies and boils, pestilence, darkness. And then finally, the one that claimed the life of Pharaoh's oldest child Finally, the gates were opened and God's people were ushered in to freedom. But this wasn't exactly the freedom that they might have expected. No, this one came on the other side of the Red Sea. This one was wrought with trial before triumph, with quail and manna before milk and honey, with wilderness before promise. See, reading the stories is like reading a travelogue, and when we can understand them in that way, we see that we get an up-close and personal glimpse at what life was like for the whole congregation of people as they traveled this long and unpaven road. Up to this point and up close and personal, we get to see their fatigue and their uncertainty. We get to watch them as they argue and fuss with one another. I don't believe for a minute that they were all the same kind of traveler. We even get to see them make mistakes. And because we have the benefit of 2,000 plus years of history, we get to pass judgment on their lack of faith when they begin, you know, doing some things like creating idols for themselves, turning material objects to satisfy their deeper spiritual hunger. You all remember that thing about the golden calf, right? But in today's part of the story, it's not even that bad. They're just thirsty. They've been traveling for some time and they've set up camp and they go to Moses and say, we're we're tired, We're, we're thirsty. Where's the water? And remember, just one chapter earlier, they went to Moses because they were hungry, and they complained about their hunger, and do you remember what happened? God rained down manna, and here they are again, complaining because they are thirsty, So hearing their complaints, Moses does exactly what we might expect a faithful, loving, committed leader to do. Moses turns to God and says, what shall I do with these people? Implied, God, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And they're still coming to me with their complaints. They're almost ready to stone me, he says. And God replies, go on ahead of the people. Take some of the elders from the congregation with you. Take in your hand the staff, the same staff that you used to strike the Nile and go, I will be there in front of you. God says that to Moses. Go, I will be there in front of you and on the rock at Horeb and strike the rock with that that stick, that same stick, the same rod that you used to strike the Nile. Strike the rock and water will come out. Now, if God hadn't already parted the sea so that the people could walk through on dry land, and if God hadn't already sent plagues of lice, locusts, flies, boils, pestilence, darkness, and all in an effort to free these people, and if God hadn't just one chapter prior made it rain down manna, And if God wasn't also present with these people day in and out, by day in a pillar of cloud and by night in a pillar of fire, then maybe we would be a little more sympathetic about their complaining of thirst. But at this point... It's easy for us to see because we're reading the story page by page. It's easy for us to see that God is going to take care of these people. God has invested so much in their provision and not only that, in their well-being and satisfaction. God cares for the people. It is evident all throughout the story. God has made a promise to them, a covenant with them. Haven't they seen enough to trust God and to trust that God is going to make a way? But the people are thirsty. The people are thirsty. And so they complained to Moses. So Moses brought their complaints to God, as I said a minute ago, and he did as God said, And lo and behold, water burst forth from a rock. Another miracle, new life from a most unexpected source. Y'all, these seven verses are so packed with spiritual lessons for us. There is a lesson about faithful leadership, about Moses, how he asked God for wisdom and God's help, and, and then he took some elders along with him up ahead of the rest of the community in order to see what God was doing And there's also a lesson in community here, in just seven verses, about sharing the journey with other people, trusting them, loving them, allowing them to stretch us and teach us new things, to hold us together when everything seems to be falling apart, and to remind us that God's presence can come to us in a simple thing, like an orange slice because sometimes we can't see it ourselves. And there's another lesson in this text, and this is the one that I think might be the most important for us today. This is a lesson about God's continued presence and faithfulness with the people. Even in their thirst, even in their complaining, even in their doubt after everything they had experienced thus far, even though they couldn't see it themselves, God was just up ahead preparing a stream of never-ending, ever-flowing, life-giving, living water, and no one would have ever guessed where it would come from. Who could have imagined water coming forth from a rock? I've shared with you all a couple of times before about a significant pilgrimage I went on many years ago. I don't think I've told you this part of the story. If I have, forgive me. We were coming back from seven days on a bus together. Not one congregation like the Israelites moving through the wilderness, but two congregations moving through the deep south for seven days on one bus. It had been a truly remarkable experience. We were connecting with one another, building new relationships, experiencing God's closeness, and stretching ourselves to see God at work in the lives of one another in some new and really interesting ways. So it was the last day of the trip. We were all really tired, and unlike the previous days where we had some kind of fun stops along the way, this was 12 hours in the bus from Memphis to Charlotte. About halfway through the drive, People started getting hungry, and truly, I was getting hungry, too. And so I went up and told the bus driver, hey, we're hungry, can we find a place to stop? Doesn't really matter where, but just, you know, a place where we can all get off the bus and have some food and get back on. He quietly acknowledged my request. I think he was a little bit annoyed. Um, But I went back to my seat and continued having a conversation with the people I was talking with before. Now, up to this point, you need to know This bus driver had been pretty good at finding places to eat. It's like he had a map in his brain, as a lot of bus drivers do, where he knew where the good stops would be, where he could maneuver the bus, where there would be multiple options for all those kinds of road trip travelers, you know. Well, after not too long, I noticed that we were slowing down and taking an exit, and I got kind of excited, because like I said, I was hungry. And I looked out the window, and I saw a blue rest area sign. And that's when I started to get angry. So I asked the bus driver, what's going on? And he said something to the effect of, you said you were hungry. We've got to be home uh, in a certain number of hours. I don't remember how many. Um, so here, get off the bus, get some food, take care of business, and let's get back on the road. At this point, you all need to know, I am the second kind of road tripper. I do like to eat vegetables when I'm traveling, and I don't mind if it takes an extra hour. So I was pretty upset. When I looked around at the vending machines, I could feel my blood start to boil. I watched everybody get off the bus, kind of looking around, trying to make sense of where we were, why we were there, what they were supposed to do. I informed them this was our dinner stop, and they best make the best of it and get back on the bus. And they were grumbling and complaining amongst themselves, as you might imagine, 57 tired travelers might do. I couldn't do that, I was in charge, right? So I pulled my husband aside and gave him a piece of my mind, told him exactly how I felt, turned around, smiled, and told everybody it was gonna be okay. (laughs) So we got on the bus, everybody was fine. We continued to make our way down I-40 towards Charlotte. And as the bus moved on, I held the Doritos in my hand, and I looked around and realized everybody was fine. People were laughing. People were making the best of the situation. And people were beginning to recognize everything we needed was right there on the bus. Yes. We had snacks in the form of chips and soft drinks from roadside vending machines, but what's more than that is we had one another, and we were still growing and laughing and learning together, and we were still being stretched and formed by the Holy Spirit who was also on the bus, Soon, those of us who were frustrated and even a little angry about the situation, we realized that those feelings were being transformed and made new as the bus moved on for the remainder of the trip. So y'all, that's how I first discovered the renewing presence of God in a bag of vending machine Dorito chips and on a blue rest stop sign. So now every time I'm driving down the highway, I still advocate for a good, healthy meal. And it drives my spouse absolutely crazy. It still takes us two days to get to Texas. But every time I see that sign, I am reminded of the friendships I made, the lessons I learned, and most importantly, the lesson that God shows up in even the most unlikely places. Because God is faithful. And God cares so deeply for each and every one of us. And God has not brought us this far only for us to die of thirst in our deserts. We just have to summon the faith to stay the course. And we will remember that things are not always exactly how we expect them to be. And so it might do us some good to remember the story of the Israelites walking through the wilderness, setting up camp, and complaining, all the while worshiping a God who rains down manna and pours forth water from a rock. So who knows what God might be up to next? Amen.